0: This is The CreaseCast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The CreaseCast. I'm your host, Lachlan Irvin. I am the only one here today. It's a bit of a throwback episode. Uh, I joked about it on Twitter, uh, on our uh, official podcast Twitter at The CreaseCast, uh, that, you know, because the Canucks did a throwback night uh, on Thursday... Uh, that we today are doing our own version of a Creasecast throwback, which is which is just means a solo episode with me only. We have no guests, no guest co-hosts, no Cody today. It is just me, and for that I am truly sorry. But you know what I'm not sorry about? I'm not sorry about two things. One being that the Canucks won seven to one over the Calgary Flames. Uh, on their throwback night wearing the flying skates. I'm not sad sorry about that. And the other thing I'm not sorry about is my take that the flying skate should not be a regular, like the the main jersey. I, I and I, I I know I got I took a little bit of heat for it, particularly from a friend of the show, Why It Aren't, uh, over at Trust the Process about um why about why I don't feel like it should be the regular jersey. I've got it literally sitting or right behind me here, right? So it's not like it's it's not like I hate it. It's not like I viscerally hate it with a burning passion. I just look, I think that the Canucks belong in green and blue. I think that's their main color scheme and I think that it should stick because it's unique to them as far as the rest of the NHL is concerned. But as far as like a third jersey is concerned, I would love to see the flying skate as a third jersey. I think that is the perfect amount of use for a flying skate jersey. Is like I, I believe most uh, third jerseys get used about 10 12 times a year so it's uh like still a decent number but not like so many that you get tired of it it's enough that it's still special every time they wear it which is where i think the flying skate belongs I think it's perfect as a jersey that, um, is worn with a little bit of just irregularity. Not for not for 82 games. If the Canucks went back to the flying skate full time, I would not be happy with that. I think it. I don't like the colors. I think the colors are bad. Um, look, if you want to look like Calgary or Boston, and Boston combined, like every night, I guess if you want to, you want to pretend to be them. But no, 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 no. Green and blue are the Canucks' colors. But the Flank Skate is a lovely jersey for throwback nights, and it's very, very fun. And clearly, the Canucks are very good in it. Uh, they destroy Calgary 7-1 to um, last night in easily, easily the best game of the entire season. Like, I don't think anybody's out to debate that. Like, there's no, there's no debate. The Canucks were simply at their best for the entire night. There was no point in that game where they looked out of place. There was no point in that game where they looked like the worst team uh they played their they finally played a full 60 which has been their one of the hardest things for them to do this year um and they did such a good job of it in that game where they really stepped up to the plate and set and look against a team that literally had won 10 games in a row a franchise record Calgary's rolling at this point in the Pacific division and looks like they're rolling on their way to a playoff spot um and the Canucks did not care. they did not look like a team that's like, oh geez this is a this team is way ahead of us in the standings they're 10 point or t- I guess 12 points ahead of us um, we have no chance this is a clearly a mismatch. They didn't play like that at all at any point. They played like a team that belongs in that conversation with them which whether or not that's true is a, a different story but they played up to their competition. they played up to the level of of competition that they were needed to to win. And that's why they walked away not only winning, not only just winning the taking away the two points, but absolutely hundred percent crushing Calgary into the ground and then salting the earth so nothing could ever grow again. Like that's that's how good the Canucks were in that game. Um, now we come to a, We come to, of course, our favorite part of the night. We come to um, one of the things that is interest is, is is new today. So one of the cool things um about doing a show by yourself uh versus uh having a guest on is that there are certain things that i can do now uh like certain buttons that i can now press as i readjust my microphone to drop it a little bit farther off screen um there are certain things that i can do now uh i can do today to kind of uh bring back some of the buttons we have a couple buttons that i can now press during the show and with that in mind, I do believe it's time to hand out our Player of the Game Award, or as we like to call it... The Infinitude Gobbler! It's identical to the one that Sabu wore in the movie Avenga Boys. That's right, Detective Jake Peralta. It's time to hand out the Infinitude Gobbler, or more accurately, the Infinity Blocker, the M- the MVP of the weekend, uh, or since the last episode anyway. Um, I think there's... Look, there's a lot of options here. There's... there Again... I could I think I I think because Cody's not here I'm going to hand out two. I'm going to give two out because normally we would. Normally we'd have two awards to give out. So I'm going to but I'm going to hand out both today. Uh my first award obviously goes to Thatcher Demko <laughs> because of course it does. Um 29 saves, a almost got a shutout, but probably more importantly, he looked he looked absolutely gorgeous doing it. And as I pull it up on screen here, look at that! Look at that! The Kirk McLean tribute gear, absolutely iconic. I mean, like, look at that! The brown blocker. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. They're all. It's all over Twitter. It's all over the Canucks Twitter. It's all over um just about anywhere on this on social media. Like, there's a picture of it. Holy cow! It looks good. Like, it's such a perfect um throwback night one of the and uh, it's such a perfect throwback to that uniform and it looks so it looks so so good like the 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 all black pads the leather brown uh blocker and glove the the composite stick that they designed and painted to look like an old retro wooden stick I, and then of course the 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 piece de resistance the the kirk mclean Mask the tr- the mask that looks exactly like the one he wo- Kirk McLean wore in 1994. There were multiple points during that game where I had to re remind myself that. Oh, that Kirk McLean wasn't actually the one in net. Like, because it looks so, there's something very iconic about that mask. I think it's just the, in a way it's almost, it's not the, the, like the V's, the V on the chin or like the skate on the top of the helmet itself. It's almost the white space, like specifically where the white spaces are placed on the mask that makes it look really iconic and, ex- and instantly recognizable. And it's a, it's, it works so well. Like in, you know, today we get really great masks. Like some of the things that uh, goalie mask artists are able to do uh, with like with the, the tech that they have at their disposal in 20 in the 2020s is really incredible and really cool. But there's something really, really unique and really iconic about like some of the old, very simple designs like this one. It works so well. It, 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 it's truly a masterpiece as I zoom in on that mask. Like, look at that. It's so clean. It's clean. It's crisp. It's it, it works so well. Literally, again, he looks just like McLean. He looked just like Kirk McLean. They did really well with that. One thing that uh, Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine talked about during the intermission break is actually the rarity of seeing Thatcher Demko or any Canuck goalie, for that matter, um, in black pads. Because, as he talked about, uh, goalie coach Ian Clark does not like um, – does not like – goalies his goalies to wear white uh, to wear any pad uh, colored pads he wants them to be white because for shooters when they're coming up on the goaltender and they have the split second to make a decision a white pad uh, is a little bit harder to pick up on to pick up on behind a white with a white net behind it whereas it's easy it's much easier to see that in that split second um, when you're wearing a color like say black in this case um, and, and, uh, the, the reference he made as well is like black is slimming yeah, As a goaltender. You want to look bigger. And that's really, and that's true. Like he looks, it looks a lot crisper. Like there's something, there's something about that look that look, he, he definitely looked smaller in net, like to a degree. Like there was something about that design that looks so mu- where he looks so much, that much smaller in net. Um, even though he, it again, it's the same colors. It's like the, or sorry, the same equipment that he always wears. They've just wrapped it a little differently. Um, and overall, just an iconic look, and he did such, and he did a great job, and he had a shutout going until two minutes. Somebody, somebody on Twitter said shutout, and of course he lost it with the. Uh, well, they had the seven nothing lead, very disappointing in that front. But overall, uh, on a night where the forwards and his defense really stepped up and did their part, uh, and he didn't have to be a game saver at any point um he was still was he still played he never there was no point where he took a like a a day or he took part of the night off like he was always engaged in the play he was always making the smart decisions there was at no point where it looked like he was tired or gassed or kind of like cold he played he played truly like he uh was having himself just a reg like a regular old classic Thatcher Demko evening um and then the other the other infinity blocker we'll give out today I, I mean, there's a couple, there's a couple candidates here. I, I could go to JT Miller because of course, four goal, four points, two goals and two assists, but I'm going to give it instead to a guy who actually hasn't gotten, I don't think has gotten the infinity blocker many times this year, uh, for re for various reasons. We're giving it to Elias Patterson, three points, not as many as Miller, but one less, just one less, same amount of goals, one assist. Um, Elias Petterson scored the first goal of the game, and it was an absolute bullet on the power play. uh the power play has not been clicking for the Canucks for large stretches of the season. like obviously special teams have been we've talked to death about the problems with the special teams. It's not really a it, you know it all you've you know it all front by now why why it's been why the issues have been there um but in this game. Uh, it completely clicked. It was completely clicking, firing on all cylinders. I believe they ended up with uh three they ended up with three power play goals. Uh and and a shorthanded goal for that matter. The PK showed up. Um and that shorthanded goal was also Pedersen's, where he stripped a uh, defenseman of the puck at the, the red line, took it in for a breakaway and just ripped it past Dan Vladar. Uh it was it was uh like straight up why isn't first of all I can't believe it took that long for Pedersen to even get some shorthanded time. He was only out there for 19 seconds shorthanded, and he scored. Uh, give him more shorthanded goal, more shorthanded uh, opportunities, because frankly, that's been one of the issues I've had with the PK, and I think I think a lot of us have, is that they seem they still seem kind of hell bent on the idea that oh, your depth players need to be your PK guys. You can't have you can't have star players on the penalty kill, which is. I don't think true. I don't think that's true. I think you can have your best players being your best penalty killers as well. In fact, that actually sets you up really well uh, as a team when your best players are offensively are also your best players defensively. And Pedersen showed that there where he gets a, just a short opportunity to try and play some penalty kill time, to get some PK time, and he converts that into a goal. He converts that into the 7 nothing goal. And – It was the nicest goal of the night, in my opinion. There were some very nice goals. Um, Bo Horvatz was wonderful, uh, uh, and we'll talk about that in a second. But for now, I think you got to give it to Pedersen. I mean, especially considering what he's been through this season, like just to get back to playing at the level that he feels he's capable of. He talked about it earlier in the week that he's actually had his he had his wrist taped for a long part of the year, even though he said at the beginning of the season he was totally healthy. Uh, turns out he wasn't what a surprise hockey players playing through injuries uh and say and saying otherwise um but yeah he uh he had his he had his wrist wrapped I guess uh still for a large period of the early parts of the season doesn't anymore um and uh holy cow he looked so much more comfortable in this in the last couple games uh particular and in this one I mean the both goals were beautiful he got he got he got his he got an assist on the um, J.T. Miller goal, he bobbled the puck a little bit on that one. By the way, who cares? Uh, when you're when you're hot, you're hot. And yeah, that was a vintage Elias Pettersson performance, and he's and they've been they were at point earlier in the season probably few and far between. Now they're becoming a regularity again. You absolutely truly love to see it, um, and that is the infinity blocker for uh, this episode. Now, uh, as far as J.T. Miller is concerned, obviously again very easily could have given that the blocker to, to JT Miller um and because God he looked great as well like I mean Miller is one of those guys like he's like he is a I don't want to say he's a streaky player because I don't think that's totally accurate like he but he's definitely a he scores in bunches type guy like I, I very rarely see a lot like it never seems with JT Miller. That he's getting a lot of like one point nights. There always seems to be like two or three tacked on in an individual effort. Um, and tonight was if he's not getting like two, he's not getting any. That's kind of what it's been like sometimes this year. Um, or and just in, in general with Miller, he feels like he's very much a uh, points and bunches guy. And tonight he was on like uh, he had some he had some of the best plays of the evening. Like that that whole that the whole top six came to play today. And that's been something that's been missing for a long time. Like Brock Besser didn't have a goal, but he had two assists Uh, and both on the power play. But either way, like uh, just another one of the reasons why I'm very uh, adamant that Besser should probably stay a little bit longer in Vancouver is just the idea that, like, I don't think there. I think there's so much more to his game that we haven't seen yet. And nights like yesterday's are proof of that. Like, I think Besser always gets pegged as he's a scorer. He's the scoring guy. Um and then he can go out and have a really good night uh, moving and facilitating the puck and that's kind of what and that's and that's what you need to see from him if you want if he's gonna play top six minutes long term and be a big part of your team. Uh, he had a sixteen. He played sixteen forty five in ice time. He had some of the which is I believe some of the highest among the uh, his teammates. I think the only ones higher. Oh my god! Like I'm looking at the list. You know what's really funny is I'm looking at time on ice right now. Um and okay. I believe Besser, just looking at it on a brief glance, time on ice, uh, Besser had 16.45, which I believe on a on a quick glance uh, would put him uh, third overall in ice time. Or, uh, sorry, yeah, third overall in ice time. Uh, second overall is Pedersen at 17.01. Clocking, but clocking in with the top, with the most ice time on the night, with 18.5 minutes uh, or at least among forwards, I should say, among forwards, was Tyler Mott. Because <laughs> Bruce Boudreaux loves himself some Tyler Mott. And, I mean, hey, the guy almost had a goal. Like, he almost had a goal in that game. Um, So can you blame him? I think he had an—I uh, think he ended up with— uh, he did not end up with a single point on the night. He ended up, I believe, with a uh, couple shots on goal. But overall, like, he was—like— It's Overall, the the whole top six came to play, and that has been something that has been a struggle for the Canucks this year, has been um, the ability to get all of the top six going at once. It always seems like one guy's not clicking. One guy is having trouble. Uh, In this game, that was not a problem. You have Pedersen with three. You got Horvat with two. With two goals, actually two goals, including the nicest goal—the uh, probably the second nicest goal of the evening behind Pedersen's, where Tyler Mott strips uh, Rasmus Anderson of the or like blocks a Rasmus Anderson shot, manages to beat him in a race for the puck down the ice, gets a weird little backhander ba- away from the net, Horvat God, Horvat scoops it up and just wrists it uh, over uh, Dan Vladar or over Jacob Markstrom, I should say. Uh, over the, over the blocker side, uh, and like just an absolute, like probably the nicest goal I've had scored all year, uh, in which is his 17th of the year, which like again, for parts of the year where he was really struggling or 16th of the year where he was really struggling to string goals together and has been struggling to get points. He needed that game more than anybody probably on, on the ice. And he, and he clearly passed with flying colors um Besser with the two assists Garland had a goal it was a little bit of a he it was a bit of a gift goal where Vladar is just like way out of the net a bit of a yawning cage and at one point it look it almost looked like Garland was gonna miss like he was like like he had such an open like such an open net that he almost like flubbed it just on like this must be a mistake uh like you you definitely have those moments when you play um and uh but he ends up putting it in 14th of the year uh he gets a goal he gets a goal. Uh obviously we already talked we already talked about Miller. Uh and uh Tanner Pearson had an assist. Um just like looking through the list, like maybe you'd like to see a couple more points from Hog like a point from Hoaglander and Pud Colson as well, because they're supposed to be part of your solution going forward. But as far as like the main top six guys are concerned, yeah, they were there. They were very much in the game and they were very very much in the they they completely led the way in scoring. Like you didn't need Yuho Lamico to be the new Wayne Gretzky or to be uh playing from behind the net. You didn't need Tyler Mott and um uh Alex and uh, Alex Jason, or I guess in this game uh, Matthew. Sorry Matthew Highmore, or, or uh playing the 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 crazy minutes. You didn't need um you didn't need necessarily need some of the the depth guys to be as 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 crazy important on your on the night and your defense didn't have to be incredibly good either but they were anyway like the defense did did a really good job for what they had to deal with for parts of the tonight like parts of that game um they they didn't make they made Thatcher Demko's night a lot easier than you initially thought it was going to be uh against Calgary and uh like quite simply put every player there was like can you eat, like there wasn't even one player on the Canucks who had a bad night. Well, I guess the one person you could throw in there is Jason Dickinson. Um, but that was simply because he got one shot away and then Erica Branson just kind of sent him flying into the boards and injured him. Like, that wasn't a case of like, oh, he was personally bad. It was just a, cheese. like, talk about just from things going from bad to worse for, for Jason Dickinson, who's already had a tough season. Like, literally first period, only ends up playing five minutes because he gets hurt. Right, he gets hurt midway through the first period. Like, what are you gonna do? Um, and for the Canucks to come out with that kind of effort, and we're gonna talk a little bit about Jason Dickinson later in the show, I think, uh, specifically because I wrote an article about him earlier this week. Um, but as far as the Canucks are concerned in this game, they played their best game as a group and they. They looked like a team that can sometimes compete with the best teams in the NHL. Maybe they can't do it every night. Maybe it's clearly not in the cards for them to be able to do that on a nightly basis. But for one night, they took a team that was literally coming off a 10-game winning streak, has not lost in weeks. And they absolutely put the fear of God into them. Like, you can't quest—like, you have to imagine Calgary— After that game is just questioning everything about themselves, because that's I mean, part of that is just being human, which the idea of like, you know, no matter how many good things somebody says, like compliments you get, that one insult is always going to be the one that sticks with you longer Uh, for the flames like you can win 10 games in a row. If you have one game like this, though, you're going to start second guessing yourself a little bit, Uh, even with all those wins that you stacked up beforehand. And uh, boy, the Flames uh, did not like uh, losing. Everything in that game went perfectly, and we're gonna like. I mean, obviously, the flying skate jerseys were gorgeous, and we talked about we talked a little bit about Demko's equipment, but the rest of the team, like they looked, they looked good. They looked good playing this game. Um, as you look at like look at Bo Horvat like celebrating. You got you got you got Bo in there. You got you got uh obviously Demko McLean who, who made like that one amazing glove save that shades a 1994. Uh, on that one glove save he made in the second period, uh, I believe also on Rasmus Anderson, um, J.T. Miller just having a great old time like that uh, guy. For a guy who you know you worry that he might be um, on his way out the door, like this, you might be seeing some of his last games as a Vancouver Canuck. boy. He's having fun with it, and he even talked about last night. He loves that he loves the flying skate jerseys, and then you get like the celebration, like everybody, like everything that could have gone right in that game did. You had Michael Bublé showing up. You had you had a uh, you had a uh, Chase Claypool who I, uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers, I believe, was there, and then he literally did the thing that I think you're not supposed to do at those games. Uh, if well, he was like, you're not supposed to do it as a like as an in arena host or something like that, or like as a thing where he just goes, "The Calgary Flames suck," and it's so oh, it was so funny. Like uh, imagine you're Calgary because remember the Flames can hear that on the bench. They can hear, they can hear that whole conversation, the whole like the everything going on on the jumbotron during the game, and here you have literally like a an NFL star go on the crowd saying Seven is a. This is the quote from uh, my from a friend of the show David Cordrelli— 7 nothing is a touchdown score and i just wanted to say the calgary flames sucks so bad <laughs> and then the whole crowd starts chanting calgary sucks which is uh, which is absolutely when the flames lost their mind in this game and like completely went off the deep end and threw kind of a tantrum at the end of the game like oh my god the the late game the late game like whining from the flames was so funny like this is a team that's clear again clearly accustomed to winning doesn't take losing well and boy did they not take losing seven to one well i mean why would you you're losing seven to one that's a that's a tough score line for even the best for even the worst teams in the nhl don't usually lose a lot of games that way um for calgary just there was like the one play where uh i believe it was Highmore clipped Johnny Gaudreau in the face uh, after he was trying to check Kachuk off the puck. Like, he was trying to make the stick check. uh, It kind of bounced back off Kachuk, ricocheted. Like, the stick ricocheted behind him as he was kind of readjusting, and it clipped Gaudreau in the face. Probably could have been a high-sticking penalty for sure. But then the Flames just lost it. Like, they didn't even know he was high-sticked. Like, they just reacted. They just saw Gaudreau down at the end of the ice after the whistle blew, and then started going and like, hey, oh, we're you're you're in trouble, Highmore. Like it was, it's such like, cra- it's such bullcrap. Like it's just one of those like uh, fake tough guy crap uh, that gets you nowhere. Uh, so and then like Gaudreau got thrown out of the game because he was like complaining about not getting the high sticking call. First of all, it it probably should have been a high sticking call. Like I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, that no, that's uh, never in a million years. Like, no, it probably should have been, but also worth noting that you can follow— like, follow-through doesn't necessarily constitute a high-sticking penalty, and in that case, because he wasn't—he wasn't trying to make the play on Goudreau, that that, could—that—and the puck was—and the stick was coming back off of a stick check on another player, that counts as follow-through in some cases, which is why probably Highmore didn't get the penalty. Either way, I wouldn't have been that upset if he had uh, gotten—if he had gotten the— um. If he had gotten the uh, the penalty the the, uh, the the penalty there, but the f- the way the Flames reacted to it was just ridiculous, like beyond ridiculous. Um, and look, you know, I've said it before, like I've said it before with the Flames in particular. I don't, I I think if there was one thing that was confirmed for me tonight or in yesterday's game, it was that the Calgary Flames, in my opinion, even with that they've added Tyler to Foley now. Um, the Calgary Flames are not a cup contender. They're not there. They just aren't. Like, they've got good goaltending. They've got very good goaltending. But there is nothing about that team right now that screams cup contender. They are so clearly, like, a lar- like a long way away. A long ways away. And I don't think they'll ever get there. Because they are so hellbent on winning with, for some reason, the Goudreau-Monahan ticket. Like, that core group. Like, it's not just those two players, but like that group that was that has been there from the like the twenty fifteens, the mid twenty tens. Like they're so hell bent on winning with that group rather than building a new kind of core, a newer age core around Matthew Kachuk. That they've had years to do at this point. That they're never gonna get there. Like they're not a they're not a cup team. I don't know why everybody is so like I've seen so many people be like, Oh, the flames are real cup contenders now. Nope, no, they aren't. They're no, they're barely a first round. They're barely a first round exit team. Like, they're, they're gonna do what they always do, which is play a really good regular season and then completely disappear come playoff time. Like, that's just who they are. That's who they are. Like, pe- they're, they were the Leafs before the Leaf. They're, they're the Leafs if the Leafs just could win a round every now and then. That's what the Flames are. There's no difference, in my opinion. They're the exact same. Um, They're the exact same, just a little bit less talented than the Leafs. Like, that's just what they are. I don't buy Calgary as a playoff—as a a real playoff threat in any way. Like, like I've said before, like, if the Canucks make the playoffs, I want Calgary as as a—in the Pacific Division, like, first round. If you can get Calgary, you're golden. You're going to win. Like, you're—the Canucks, I would not put it past them, and this was before the 7-1 win even— like there was the one nothing game. Like again, Cal, that was a one nothing game. Like it doesn't matter. Like how clearly outclassed the Canucks got played, caught were outplayed in that game. The Flames still didn't score until overtime. Like they're not that good. They're really not that good. I don't. But I do not understand the hype around them at all. Um, it is. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I don't feel like they. I don't feel like they're there. I don't feel like they're going to get there under Bradtree Living. Like, uh, Daryl Sutter's done a lot better with the coaching job. The goaltending, again, he's done a very good job with goaltending and actually keeping the goaltending fresh. Uh, Last night, I mean, uh, Jacob Markstrom had a bit of a tough go in the the second period. Uh, And then you have the incident where, like, his skate blade pops out and they can't get it fixed. Uh, for whatever reason, and he they end up just saying, you know what, like just take the rest of the night off. I felt I felt bad for Vla- Dan Vladar, like he had to come in mid Canucks power play, which had already had two goals by this point, and were clearly like having themselves a game. And Dan Vladar's is a pretty no slouch, like he's a pretty darn good backup goaltender in his own right. Uh, and there was nothing he can do. He ends up letting a goal in like um, almost immediately after. Um, he got kind of hung out to dry by his defense. Like there was not like, there was nothing that defense could do to like really help him in that game. They kept, they kept making his job harder. Um, and overall the Canucks clearly were the better team in that game and they head on the road, uh, against some teams like New York, uh, and, uh, New Jersey, some, uh, some other, some more good measuring stick games, having won one of the biggest games of their season, like easily the best game of the year. Uh, but, potentially like one of those games that you look back on depending on how the rest of the year goes that you might look back on and be like wow that was a turning point for them like that was a clear just they change their fortunes change from this point that's one of those games that can 100% turn into that uh down the road one other thing uh I wanted to touch on before uh we kind of get into some uh some uh some harder topics and kind of um wrap this episode up two degree No, I shouldn't say that there's a little bit we definitely have some more stuff to go but we're keeping today's episode shorter in general just because it's only me today and I don't want to give you an overload of information today uh when it's just one when it's just one guy um but one other thing I wanted to touch on as well is uh speaking of jerseys um is that the Canucks didn't just wear uh the flying skate jerseys yesterday they also wore uh these very beautiful, uh, black History Month jerseys, um, which I've got on the screen right now, so uh, for anyone who's not uh, watching the video version on YouTube or on Spotify, um, what it is is essentially it's a black practice jersey uh, that has, like, the sel- the Black History Month patch uh, uh, in the uh, right corner, but then you have the orca, which is all black, um, save for parts of the ice uh, under the lo- – like, on the arch part of the – the bottom arch of the orca logo – uh, which has been shaded in with a uh, red, with uh, zigzagging red, green, and yellow uh, patterns. Um, according to um, according to uh, Van uh, the Canucks uh, store website, uh, this was designed by Jason Bempong, who's the creative director of the local of a local clothing brand called Sleepless Minds. Um, and uh, the colors that are incorporated in the design uh, are very are all have different meanings to them. So the red represents lifeblood, passion and strength. Green represents renewal, growth and harvest. Yellow represents bl- royalty and prosperity, and then the black represents spiritual power and maturity. This is based on I believe um uh Kente, I, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly or Kent, uh K E N T E. Uh it's uh was uh, apparently it was popularized um among Akan royalty of the Ashanti Empire in the 18th century. So that is, and that is lovely. Like, it's such a, it's, it's not only is it just beautiful, as I, as I show the picture of Elias Pettersson wearing it, not only is it like a beautiful design in all accounts, like, I just love to see that the Canucks are doing a Black History Month uh, celebration. I wish they had done it earlier. Like, I wish, in a way, I wish they had separated Black Skate Night from Black History Month. Uh, Jersey game because I feel like though like it deserves its own kind of separate evening altogether and I wish they had kind of started and done Black History Month a little like earlier and made it like part of the month rather than kind of doing it at the tail end of the month but god that Jersey is wonderful like it it's it's such a simple yet just truly gorgeous design and I love that they had a local um black artist design it um and uh, I believe the their store is the store is selling like some shirts and some stuff with it on there and I definitely want one. Um, it's uh it's beautiful. I would love to see the Canucks do this more, uh, down the line and incorporate it even more. Um, one thing I didn't have a chance to bring up and get a picture of, um, for the sh- uh, for the show today that I would love to see the Canucks do, um, the Washington Capitals for their Black History Month celebration. One of they actually put in a permanent installation. Uh, at their arena um uh showcasing all the black players who have played for the the capitals over that time span over the the career the franchise's history uh including Madison Bowie who's on that uh who is on, is in that display uh he of course won the cup with the capitals uh, in 20 in 2018. um and um and uh it's a very beautiful it's a very small it's a very small yet very powerful gesture to do that um and to do that to have that not just like make it a temporary thing to make it a permanent installation in your arena i would love the canucks to do something to do the same thing to do something like that as well where they have like a permanent display showcasing the the black players who have put on the canucks uniform or last years they did they did some interesting stuff like they had mount Ma- uh, madison bowie actually wrote an article for Players Tribune. Uh, called hockey has always been black it's a very good read you should go check it out he also uh or no justin bailey narrated the uh narrated a video for uh canucks for the canucks twitter which i i forgot to pull up uh here um but he uh it was a very well done video that again that showcased a lot of the players all the the black players who have put on the canucks jersey over the years including like kevin weeks including uh robin bawa um, there, uh, Donald Brashear, Nathan Lafayette, like there's plenty of, the list goes on. Um, Anson Carter is another one. Um, like there's like there, and there, there's more, and there's plenty more than that. Um, and it's, uh, it was a very well done video, very, like a very touching video. Uh, and again, I would love to see that become part of like a permanent, of a permanent, uh, feature in the arena somewhere. There's plenty of room. There's room. Well, I shouldn't say plenty of room. The Rogers Arena is pretty cramped, but there, there's there's there is always room for something like that. There's always there. You can make room for that if you're the Canucks. You can a hundred percent make room for that, and they should. I would love to see that if you if you put it near the Legends Row where they have all the retired jerseys. Have another installation just for for this because it would be lovely to have that permanent reminder in the arena. Um. Also talking, also talking about just like important, like uh, recognizing uh, recognizing under 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 recognized and under appreciated members of hockey of hockey. Uh, Carolyn Frolik became the first uh, female PA in Canucks history, I believe, and I believe the second uh PA female PA in NHL history. So public address announcer uh in the arena. Uh, Al Murdoch is over in Nashville doing stuff for the NHL Stadium Series game, which is tomorrow. Um, and, uh, she, and she filled in yesterday. Talk about a, a great first game to fill in. Like you get all the goals you get to call every goal, all the like seven Canuck goals, like uh, a perfect, a perfect first game for Carolyn. Uh, she did a and she did a great job. She was, she was like, she was engaged in the game. Like it was a, it was a, it was a different, it was a different vibe and it sounded great. She did fantastic. She definitely would love to see her. Uh, in the PA booth more. Uh, over. Uh, in the coming years, hopefully she gets a few more opportunities here and there. Uh, as much as we also love El Murdoch in this uh, on this podcast, uh, Carolyn did fantastic. I would love to see. Uh, I would love to see her do that. Get more opportunities to do that down the line. Um, and one last thing before we get out of here for this Friday edition. Um, obviously we spent this episode talking about the Canucks and the Flames and like a very happy a very happy, very fun, uh, loose type, uh, uh, episode. Um, and of course we got to kind of like dial that back a little bit here. Um, because like one of the big stories that's come out this week obviously has been that, uh, surrounding, um, uh, the Ukraine, uh, what's going on in Ukraine, the Russian, uh, attack on Ukraine, um, which has been just awful to watch and awful to see. Um, and um, I, I initially thought about starting the show with this because it's so important. It's Because here's the thing, hockey comes second when things like this are happening, uh, but I wanted to kind of get the fun – do the fun stuff first and then kind of we'll wrap a little bit – kind of come closer to like wrapping the show up a little bit um, here um, with with talking about this. Um, because it is, it does matter. Like there, and this has hockey implications. I'd, I would, I would, in to, in a way, but like, while that's and that's secondary, and we'll talk about that. I'm sure. I think we'll talk about that more on Monday when we get, uh, when I have like, when we have, uh, when I have a guest to talk with about this kind of stuff. Um, but as far as for right now, um, what's going on there is appalling and it's awful. And um, again, I'm, I'm not a, I wouldn't call myself a smart person when it comes to geopolitical, um uh geopolitical conflict it is not something that I'm a tr- an expert on and you should definitely listen to experts on that stuff more than myself but I- it doesn't take an expert to tell you what's going on is like true evil like russia is acting and trying to act like an evil super super villain essentially and it is like they're they're committing war crimes essentially, like it, not essentially that they are. They're committing a war crime. They're assent- they are attacking a peaceful sovereign nation and trying to turn it and trying to take it over. Um, and it's disgusting, and it's truly disgusting. Like the the Russians have. This is what happens when you've let Vladimir Putin cook. Uh, For as long as he have and let him just let him and continuously given him power and more and more power is he just kind of he's been very clearly been inching towards this for years and just waiting for the moment to do so. And he thought this is now and hopefully we're not going to let him hopefully the world isn't going to let him because it's trash like it's complete trash. This is this is Russia. This is the Russian government and the way the Russians the Russian uh political political sphere operates like and has for a while where they just try and where they're just they think they can just get away with everything and in some cases they're uh, they're uh, obviously unfortunately kind of right like you look at things like obviously on a very on a much less serious scale the olympics where they have routinely cheated in events over the last like 12 years like the last 12 years there is m- routine evidence of them doping and cheating in these events and yet, they never actually truly get punished because they the nobody seems to care. Like nobody seem nobody seems to willing to put their foot down towards the Russians. But right now seems to be a time where hopefully people will. Um, and, and be and far more importantly, because this isn't just like a sporting event and a gold medal we're talking about. This is like human lives. Like these are real human lives in the Ukraine who are being attacked and bombed every day right now and it's truly awful uh what's happening um if you want to support the ukrainian people uh there is an article uh by alana kelly over at vancouver's awesome talking about like five things that british Columbians specifically can do um to uh support the ukraine it's a very good uh it's a it's a very good it's a very good read um talking about uh one of the big things is being like uh making a donation Uh, to the, uh, Ukraine humanitarian appeal, uh, is, uh, and just, and just using, uh, like, hashtags like, hashtag stand with Ukraine is, uh, just stuff like that and trying to bring more cause to the help, more help to the cause. Like, uh, here, they've already raised, uh, 1.2 million dollars on the Ukraine humanitarian appeal, so, uh, definitely, I would consider, I would definitely advise you to go check, uh, to go, uh, to go check that out, if you, to go check that out if you can, um, and uh, you know uh, there was the Alex Ovechkin thing. I don't think we'll spend any time on this today because again, I think this I think this requires more than one person to be here for this. Uh, but uh, Ovechkin, uh, who is n- notably has campaigned for Vladimir Putin in the past, uh, asked. Uh, he said, uh, you know, he said no. He asked for no more war uh, when he was asked about it on when he was asked about it uh, on Friday. Uh, the quote, his full quote, his quote was. Uh, it's a hard situation. Uh, this is from the, uh, athletic staff. Uh, it's a hard situation. I have family back in Russia, and it is scary moments, but we can't do anything. We just hope it's going to be, to end soon, and everything is going to be all right. He added, please, no more war. It doesn't matter who is in the war, Russia, Ukraine, different countries. We, I think we live in a world like we have to live in peace and a great world. Um, like, again, I'm not going to comment too much on what he said, because, it, it's 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 uh you know it's one of those things where it's like on one hand it's very it's clearly like that's a that's very nice sentiment and all but also like what is he going to say right like i think i think some people wanted him to take a much stronger stance but as we've seen with players like Artemi Panarin when you do that uh vladimir putin especially if you're a prim- like a a publicly well-known f- hockey figure um you that can end up really causing harm to your family like ovi is not going to say anything crazy controversial about putin because he knows that if he does what can happen what can happen when that does like you again you saw with panarin what happened when he spoke out against vladimir putin he literally i believe had to go back last season uh he had to go home last season because uh his family was being threatened by like putin's supporters um they're like their lives are being threatened so I- again there's nothing ovechkin you're not going to hear ovechkin say a bunch of like oh this is like you're not going to see him go straight after go for the jugular or anything which is honestly like fine it's a very different climate like you it's a very different climate uh and we have to kind of understand that to a degree especially when it comes to celebrities um talking about the like uh russian celebrities talking about uh, Putin. Because like again, if I say something, Vladimir Putin doesn't care, he doesn't know who I am, but he cares when a prominent Russian hockey star says something, so you ha yeah have- he has to be very careful and um that's that's kind of the the crux of it at the end of the day is now y- and again, we'll talk about this more on Monday for sure uh, but as far as for right now, I think that was as good as you could have gotten out of Ovechkin, and that's fine. I would like to see more. I would like to see more uh, players who aren't necessarily Russian or of Russian descent or of Ukrainian descent talk about everything and what's going on and how to and how to be a part of the solution there for helping the Ukrainian people out. Like I'd love to again, again, in a a league that is mostly made up of Canadians and uh, a lot of of a lot of Canadians, obviously a lot of Americans, um, I would and I would love to see some of them be saying stuff of like, hey, here's how we can help the Ukraine kind of thing. Uh, because in a way that matter, that's, that's, that matters more. Like you're gonna, it matters more seeing hockey players who have no stake in the, who have no personal stake in it, standing up to do something for what's right. And you want to see that a little bit more. Um, so hopefully we get some of that, uh, down the line here. Um, and also, um, as far as from what a hockey from a hockey standpoint, from what can be done, uh, the double IHF is already talking about, um, pulling uh, or discussing events that were supposed to be uh, given to Russia or like had been uh, planned to be hosted in Russia, um, hopefully it sounds like they're going to move those games or they're going to have a meeting this week to consider and likely plan for moving those to a different country, which is the right thing to do Uh, and is like, I don't want to say it's the one way they'll learn because it's not really how this works, but I'll say this, like Russia for a very long time has prided themselves on their athletics and there's a reason why things like the Olympics are such a, are the, why they're willing to go to such ridiculously terrible lengths to win Olympic gold medals because to them, winnings at sports uh, is a way of proving how the Russian, that Russia is like, proving that the Russian way of, of doing things is, uh is the correct way and the 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 one true way essentially right so if you start taking those things away from them and those privileges of it competing and being a part of those events especially for vladimir putin has clearly made it very clear in the past that he loves sports especially hockey like he clearly loves all of like he clearly is a big sports person and cares a lot about them if you start taking those toys away from him it's going to be very hard to justify – it's going to be a lot – it's going to make things a lot harder for him, and it's going to make – put more public pressure on him in Russia when Russian athletes stop being allowed to go to things. So that kind of might be something that, like, has to be considered here in certain elements is can you keep the Russians from doing – from being taking part in some of these events? Like, is-, it's- is it the Russian people's fault that they're involved in this? Not to – not to – To a certain degree, no, but at some point you kind of have to do the whole, we're going to punish everybody until the person in charge, the person who can make the different, the right decision, who has the power to make the the correct decision does so, we're going to punish everybody for that. That's kind of what you have to do with sports right now. Like, you cannot, you can't, if... You cannot have any sort of sports championships in Russia. you cannot be competing against their teams. you have to start hitting them where it hurts and that's in things like sports where we can make where that can be made an impact because clearly that matters to them so if you start taking that away from them, they're gonna have to they might it might sway th- sway their their decision making a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day you just hope for everybody in the Ukraine to be safe and that's what matters most at the end of the day, is the safety of the Ukrainian people, and hopefully uh, my heart goes out to everybody there and anybody who has family there. Uh, I wish you all the best. Um, with that in mind, uh, on, on a bit of a somber note, uh, th- uh, or at least a, a sobering note, I guess, uh, this has been the Crease Cast for, for Friday. Thank you guys so much for listening. A bit of a shorter episode today, obviously, uh, uh, with just myself. Um, but it's been very fun, uh, doing, uh, a show by myself today. It's, uh, it's a, it's a rare experience and, uh, who knows, maybe we'll do some more of these down the line. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to check out, uh, our Patreon, patreon.com slash for $1 a month. You can just support the show. And for $5 a month, you get some bonus content, including, uh, Pacific Division power rankings and some, uh, some other goodies and stuff that we're, uh, that I'm working on. Um, be sure to check out uh, my writing work over at CanucksArmy.com. I write there pretty frequently. I wrote about Jason Dickinson this week and whether there's a trade market for him. I know we said we'd talk a little bit about Jason Dickinson in the show. Just ended up not getting there. Um, but the article talks about it a lot, about how the what a struggle it's been for him specifically to get things going this season and um, how um, – and, and obviously – uh, the the uh, a potential injury throws a wrench in here but if there was a market for him there are a couple teams that i thought might have uh some interest uh in jason dickinson and bringing him into the fold for a decent price um but uh you'll have to go check out the article on canucksarmy.com to uh see who they are um you can also check out uh m- myself on twitter instagram and facebook at uh, and, uh, you make sure to hit subscribe on your podcast, on the podcast platform, make sure to leave a review on, on Apple podcasts and Spotify, hit subscribe on our YouTube channel. If you want full video episodes of this show, uh, you can also, and, um, and, uh, Cody is not here today, obviously, but if you were here, he tell you to go check out AHL and to follow, uh, for all your Abbotsford Canucks needs. They just played tonight. They lost, I believe four to one. Um, uh, but, uh, still plenty of, uh, AHL things to talk about, especially, uh, with, uh, with, uh, guys like, uh, with, with, uh, some of the guys really stepping up. Jack Rathbone has been pretty great of late. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, check him out on Twitter as well at Cody Sievertson. And, uh, until next time, everybody, this has been the crease cast. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time. Take care.